Welcome to the King Truth Podcast, dedicated to everything in the black community. Here's your host, King Truth. takes place on the Marshall Plantation in Bayonne, Louisiana. The plantation's Cajun work boss, Bo Batten, has been murdered and just, just before the, the novel begins. Cindy Marshall, the partial owner and general overseer of the plantation, discovers Bo's dead body outside of Mathieu's house. Cindy believes that Mathieu killed Bo but as Mathieu is virtually her foster father, she wants to make every effort to protect him. Cindy immediately gathers everyone uh, in the plantation to Mathieu's house. While Miss Murley, the mistress of a local plantation, arrives, Cindy promptly confesses to the murder. Miss Murley does not believe her, but agrees to help. Cindy decides that the best course of action would be to bring all the local men to Mathieu's house with as many 12-gauge shotguns and empty shells as possible. With numerous men and guns at this crime scene, Cindy believes that the local sheriff will not be able to solve the crime. Miss Merrill spreads Cindy's plan through the community. Within a few hours, 18 men have gathered at Mathieu's house. All of these men are in their current 70s and their 80s, but they all have brought their shotguns and are ready to confess. Welcome to another episode of King Truth Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about snitching and the black community. Now, the above 18 men and their two female accomplices fully embraced the philosophy of no, uh, no snitching. They were not motivated by the warning, snitches get stitches. On the contrary, given that the major crime had been committed in the context of a corrupt, albeit legalized system, they chose not only to protect the accused, but also risk their own lives in doing so. They knew there could be no justice for a black man accused of killing a white. They, as with others, long had an oblivion relationship with people who rat, tattle, squeal, narc, or snitch on their peers. For them, the snitch is a traitor who reveals group secrets and cooperates with a group's enemies, whether they are a peer rival, outsider, or formal authority figure such as the police. Though the snitch's motives for informing can be altruistic, he or she is mostly seen as betraying the group. Thus, the snitch is the ultimate backstabber. Much like historical figures such as Judas, who broke that trust with Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Nevertheless, there has been a tremendous consternation regarding that, regarding what came to be known as the no snitching campaign on parts of some of some urban blacks who urged community members not to cooperate with the criminal justice system. 
Hence, it is worth recalling the historical roots of this disposition. The main, the main misperception about the controversially popular stop snitching ideology is that it is now considered a staple of the black community, and that is ubiquitous. I know I said that word wrong. Black people are in no way and under no circumstances ever supposed to volunteer, aid, assist, or even acknowledge law enforcement efforts in our community. Of course, the origin of the stop snitching ethos made a lot more sense. The term was originally coined to govern the conduct of coexisting criminals, such as a, sort of a black take on the mafia's code of silence. In other words, if you or I were together in a criminal enterprise, I got busted. I was not supposed to snitch on you. I was supposed to do my time like a man or a stand-up guy and trust that you be on the outside handling my affairs in return for my silence. Michael Vick could have used such friends. So could T.I. In the context of the human sacrifices it took to endure the triumph over centuries of slavery and segregation, snitching for the white oppressor was about as low as a slave Uncle Tom modern Negro could go a state of existence worse than slavery itself. When a slave snitched, plantation insurrections were prevented, escape plans were foiled, and freedom fighters were hung. Snitching slaves caused other slaves to be whipped until their flesh was ripped open. Their snitching often led to other slaves being dismembered as well as others being raped, sexually mutilated, and subjected to endless acts of depravity by their owners. After a slave snitched and the master's retribution was occurred, so much fear was instilled that some slaves were truly broken. That is, they accepted their depraved lots rather than ever again even think about their freedom. Thus, snitching was, a crucial, was as crucial to maintaining slavery as were the legal codes that made slavery possible. Thus, since its earlier days, the United States approached the policing approach to policing blacks. Alleged criminality was often pre predicated on using black citizens to target other black citizens, sometimes fairly, sometimes shockingly unfairly. And these black experiences of criminal justice policy are claimed to have bred deep distrust of government and informants. Legal scholars of informant law and policy tend to only modestly discuss historical aspects of the practice. Noticeably absent from even these brief discussions is black America's historical experience with informants. Two exceptions exist. Professor Randall Kennedy, in support of a larger work on race and criminal justice, wrote briefly regarding the FBI's destructive use of informants in the black community during the civil rights movement. And Professor Alexandra Natapoff richly explored the harms of snitching during the war on drugs, particularly for the black community. Notwithstanding, the writings of Kennedy and Natapoff, at best, most informant law scholars have cursely Refer, uh, reference the FBI's use of informants to investigate black leaders and organizations during the civil rights era, 
which coincided with the Vietnam War era. Thus, black snitching and informing during slavery remained completely unexamined. This omission is striking in light of the centrality of, the, of slavery to the black American and the United States experience. Historical justifications offered for blacks' unwillingness, unwillingness, unwillingness to inform and the disproportionate impact of modern informing polices, uh, policies and practices in black communities. In A Snitching Time, Professor Andrea Dennis elaborated on the historical background regarding snitching in the black community and why we should not be too quick to judge some contemporary anti-snitching advocate. Dennis wrote, Rather than demonizing members of the black community for holding an anti-cooperative uh, ethic, we might understand the black constantation is legitimately rooted and not abnormal. On one hand, some argue that informing and government promotion of informing is necessary to prevent and solve crime, particularly black-on-black -black crime, and that the penalties for not informing make the decision to inform appropriate. On the other hand, it is argued that the informing leads to an unnecessary and disproportionate incarcerations of blacks, particularly black men. Invites and contributes to government abuses such as police brutality and unreliable convictions. Factionates the black community by pitting community members, friends, and family members against each other and exposes blacks to retaliation that the government is unwilling or unable to prevent thus making the stakes too high for individual and indivi uh, too high for individual and community understanding history helps to deplorize the debate surrounding informants and allows them allows for meaningful honest conversation on whether the black community as a whole should endorse informing whether african american individuals should engage in the practice and how the government should respond to black perspective whether well founded or not of course, rational people would not condone being a bad Samaritan by failing to be a witness in the case of terrible injustices. With that in mind, consider the distinction that Dr. Mark Lamont Hill made between snitching and witnessing. Hill wrote, in order to fully understand the legitimacy of, a, of the stop snitching movement within hip-hop, it is important to make a distinction between snitching and witnessing. While witnessing can be rightly considered a necessary civic practice in order to create and sustain safe communities, snitching is itself an act of moral turpitude. While a witness is an asset to truth and justice, the snitch is motivated primarily or entirely by self-interest. While witnesses are committed to upholding social contracts, snitches inevitably undermine them. Given this distinction, it seems that the bulk of the public outcry in favor of snitching is actually a plea for witnesses. However, this rightful plea for witnesses must be supported by circumstances that enable them to do so. Eventually, however, both the expression stop snitching and the mentality behind it extended to a point where it more or less suggested that if something, even something criminal, didn't have a directly adverse infect, uh, effect on you, then you should mind your business and stay out of it. Now, stop snitching, stop snitching 
has ballooned to the point where we've had a cringe, had to cringely watch our dear friend, rapper Ca- uh, Cameron, explain on Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes that even if he lived next door to a serial killer, he'd move away before he'd tell the police. Needless to say, stop snitching has gone way too far. We no longer live in Africa. And folks where our elders police our communities. If a gang of us were to get together now to beat up or kill someone who is a pedophile or a serial killer, we'd all go to jail. Just as the abuse suffered by black victims in the Tuskegee syphilis uh, issue and other explosive studies continue to haunt and make some reticent to participate in medical studies, many blacks are not only mindful of racist manipulation of black snitches centuries ago, but also remain conscious of how snitching hampered the civil rights movement. It has not been forgotten that modern slaves worked with the FBI as informants against Martin Luther King Jr., other black national leaders, and black student college campus activists. Fortunately, we learned of these and more when Betty Mattister and Ken Clawson witnessed against the FBI in a Washington Post March 21st, uh, 24th, 1971 article, Stolen Documents Describe FBI Surveillance Activity. Given American's history and current circumstances related to race relations among the fact that the abusive NSA data collection has in induced a cloud of paranoia, one cannot simply make ethical appeals to blacks to do the right thing. To get more blacks to serve as witnesses, there must be a fundamental change in the system that so often functions against them. For example, there must be an end to police profiling and brutality. Disparate sentencing by race and other miscarriages of justice throughout the criminal justice system Without such changes, what we have is a situation akin to asking the once bitten to again trust a vicious dog as he continues to growl and strain at his leash. Witnesses require, witnessing requires that we bring about a society in which there is truly equality of opportunity. How is one to be expected to witness within a system which abashedly denies the equal opportunity, one, to obtain e- Uh, quality education and employment, two, to vote and voice their political concern, three, to obtain quality health care, and four, to obtain affordable housing. How can you expect a young male to snitch on the local gangster who has been his brother, uncle, father figure while he he was being less than half raised by a single-parent home by by a dutiful mother who nevertheless was despised as a welfare queen, although she had a plethora of working poor jobs in an effort to make ends meet that could never, that she could never meet. On the other hand, witness what takes place when there's equal opportunity. Growing up in my home church, there was never a problem with getting members to witness during the devotional period of the Sunday service. They enthusiastically, emotionally, and in other electrifying ways testified to the hilt regarding what God had done for them. They knew that their God and their church family 
was unequivocally in support of them and in return they bore witness to the truths that they knew. The primary form of snitching was snitching on the devil. It was likely that black folk will witness to a significantly greater degree in the larger society when the conditions are supported, i.e. when they know that the government, the criminal justice system, the public school system, and all other aspects of the system truly constitute their system. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should go on the phone, that you should be on the phone with the law if you spot a guy on the corner selling nickel bags of weed and wearing flip-flops. But if you are aware that a person has become an actual physical danger to our community, then that person's got to go. That wouldn't even be considered snitching. That would be responsible citizenship. Well, that's all I got. There ain't no more. My time is tight, and that's the end of my show. So grab your hand and make a fit. Listen to me and remember this. I'll tell it to the hot. I'll tell it to the cold. I'll tell it to the young. I'll tell it to the old. I don't want no laughing. I don't want no crying. But most of all, no signifying. Tune in next time. This is King Truth Podcast.